The text for this morning's service is taken from Luke 12, the verses 35 through 48. And so let us continue our reading from Luke. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. You will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those Servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord Jesus answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And then... He begins to beat the manservants and maidservants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does these things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 25, the stanzas 4, 5, and 6. So it comes before him, 33. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, are you ready? Are you ready to meet your Lord and Savior? Have your parents ever said to you as you were growing up and you're about to go to some questionable event, a movie or a party or a concert or something like that, whether or not you, the Lord, you would want the Lord God to find you at that particular place when he is coming back at that very moment? It's a good question for parents to ask their children. It's a good question for all of us at all times. In the text, the Lord Jesus teaches his disciples and therefore also teaches us to be ready at any time to meet our Maker. 
And the Lord Jesus says this within the context of his second coming. But he also says this within the context of our very everyday lives. Are you ready for him? And these young people in front of us this morning are here to declare that they are ready. And they are ready to commit their lives to the Lord and to declare that to the Lord God and to all the witnesses here in this church building. Over the years, these young people have gained a lot of knowledge. They have been taught by their parents to know and to love the Lord their God since birth. When they were young, their parents read Bible stories to them. They also taught them to pray. And they taught them to conduct themselves in accordance with godly standards. Once they were school-aged, they were sent to Christian schools where they learned more about the Lord their God. They learned about creation and how they relate to that creation. And their parents took them also to church at an early age, as soon as they were able to sit still in the pew and not to make any disturbances. Even though at first they would have understood very little of the preaching, and they learned to listen. They learned to sing. They learned to put money in the collection bag, to give to the Lord. They were also given more formal instruction in the church. For many years they were sent to catechism classes, and finally they attended pre-confession class, as they did last year. And so these young people have learned a lot. Knowledge is important. But does that mean that now they are ready? We may still have our questions. Is their knowledge sufficient enough? There is still so much to learn. And do they know what to do with that knowledge? Are they committed enough? Well, these are good questions. But that's not a question that we should be asking of them in the first place. But it is a question that we should be asking of ourselves personally as well. And do all of us, you and I, do we all have the right kind of knowledge? Do we all have the right commitment? Now, I know these are troublesome questions. Such questions make us feel insecure. However, the text of this morning confronts us with these questions. But, don't worry, the text also gives us great comfort. There are some surprisingly wonderful elements in this text. Let's listen to what they are. I've summarized the message of this morning as follows. Always be prepared to serve God and your neighbor. And then we will see that proper preparation requires, in the first place, knowledge in the second place, perseverance, and then in the third place, a reward. Always be prepared to serve God and your neighbor. This preparation requires knowledge, perseverance, and a reward. The prophet Hosea, in chapter 6, verse 4, laments, laments the fact that God's people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And the kind of knowledge that Hosea is speaking about here is knowledge about the Lord. But what kind of knowledge is that? Does that mean that you have to have all kinds of facts at your fingertips? 
and that you know your Bible and your confessions from cover to cover. No, the kind of knowledge that he speaks about is intimate knowledge. It is knowledge about how God relates to us, how he treats us, how he makes promises to us, how he keeps in a relationship with us, and how we too must relate to him. That's the kind of knowledge that he's speaking about. Do you know why the Lord Jesus came to earth? Why the Lord Jesus did the kinds of things he said and he did and he said? Well, it has to do with the restoration of relationships and the maintenance of relationships. The Lord Jesus came to earth in order to repair the broken relationship between God and man. Do you know how that relationship became broken? Well, you know. It became broken when man no longer wanted to serve God. He wanted to be served. He wanted to be somebody. He wanted to be equal to God, even. And that was man's great downfall. For once man took that path, there was no way that he could go back from where he had come. At least not on his own. Man lost the way. He lost touch with God. He no longer knew what God's plan was. Man became self-centered. His vision became blurred. He put his mind on earthly things. And now the Lord Jesus understood that. And that is why he came to instruct his disciples, his people, as he does here in chapter 12 of Luke. We read together the parable of the rich fool. This man was very busy storing up riches for himself here on earth. He was so busy that he totally lost his heavenly perspective. He even lost track of time. And this man thought that he was going to live forever and ever. The Lord God calls him a fool. Because in the midst of all his frenzied earthly activity, the Lord God took his life. It happened when he did not expect it. And all his labor on earth came to nothing. And because he was so busy with his earthly life, he was not ready. After that parable, the Lord God gives the beautiful passage about how he lovingly takes care of his people. He tells them where their true riches lie. Your true riches, he says, are in heaven. That is where your treasure is. And if that is what you realize in your own life, then your hearts will also be inclined towards that treasure. Now you will not be storing up riches for yourself here on earth, but you will be storing up riches for yourself in heaven. Man, however, needs a lot of instruction. And for that reason, the Lord Jesus does not just leave it at that. In order to make his point further, he tells another story. And then he tells them the story of the text that they must be like servants who are waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. 
They must be dressed and ready for service, and they must have their lamps burning. In the RSV and the King James Version, it says that their loins must be girded. It's also what it states in the original language. Well, if you didn't know what that meant, then you wouldn't be the only one, because that is language we don't use any longer. And so this is why we have in the King or in the NIV that it says that you must be dressed for service. You see, in those days, man would wear long flowing robes. But when they had to move about quickly, they would tuck those robes into their belt around the waist. Otherwise, those long robes would get in the way. And so the Lord Jesus says to them, tuck your clothes into your belt and be ready to serve your master when he comes. As the NIV says correctly, be dressed ready for service. To serve whom? Well, your master. From verse 40, it is clear who that master is. He identifies him as the son of man. It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now at this point, the disciples do not know exactly what he is talking about here. They do not realize that the Lord Jesus is first of all going to go away, but also that he is going to come back again. However, throughout the Gospels, the Lord Jesus is preparing them for the eventuality of his departure And he is preparing them also for the eventuality of his second return. And so they have to have the right kind of knowledge. And step by step he leads them to that. If they don't have the right kind of knowledge, then they will not be able to understand the times either. They will not be able to understand what the Lord God requires of them. And in the end, they will lose their reward. Knowledge is important. If you have the proper knowledge, then you will also be properly prepared. How, for example, would you prepare for a new job? How do you make sure that you will land the job that you want? Well, in order to land the job that you want, you would have to know as much as possible about your new boss and the company that he works for. And also about the kind of work that you would be doing. The more you know about it, the better your chances. Let me tell you a story in that regard. Back when the telegraph was the fastest means of long-distance communication, there was a young man who applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Answering an ad in the newspaper, he went to the address that was listed. And when he arrived, he entered a large, noisy office. In the background, a telegraph clacked away. A sign on the receptionist's counter instructed job applicants to fill out a form and to wait until they were summoned to enter the inner office. The young man completed his form and sat down with seven other waiting applicants. After a few minutes, the young man stood up crossed the room to the door of the inner office, and he walked right in. Naturally, the other applicants perked up, wondering what was going on. Why had this man been so bold? 
They muttered among themselves that they hadn't heard any summons yet. They took more than a little satisfaction in assuming the young man who went into the office would be reprimanded for his presumption and summarily disqualified for the job. However, within a few minutes, the young man emerged from the inner office, escorted by the interviewer, who announced to the other applicants, Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming, but the job has been filled by this young man. The other applicants began grumbling to each other, and then one spoke up, Wait a minute, I don't understand. He was the last one to come in, and we never got a chance to be interviewed. Yet he got a job. That's not fair. The employer responded, All the time you have been sitting there, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it or understood it. This young man did, so the job is his. You see, that young man had the right kind of knowledge. He had prepared well. Well, says the Lord Jesus, that is also what you have to do with regard to the kingdom of God, with regard to your master. You have to know what your master wants. You have to understand his language. You have to know the Bible. Those servants in the parable who were ready for the master when he came home from a wedding banquet, they knew their master well. They knew that this was a special night for their master. It was his wedding night. But they did not know exactly at what time he would be coming home. They did, but they did know that he expected them to be ready when he did. And remember, those weddings would take many, many days in New Testament times. But they had to be ready whenever he came home. And that's what the Lord Jesus wants for us to be as well. And then the Lord Jesus comes with another illustration to bring home his point. He says that if you know the exact time when a thief is coming, then you would also be ready for him. In other words, you should always be ready for the Lord Jesus himself. For he can come at any time. And that requires perseverance. We come to the second point. The Lord Jesus says in the parable that the servants must be ready at any time during the night. They should be ready even when he comes during the third or fourth watch of the night. The Jews divided the night into three watches, whereas the Romans divided the night into four. We do not know exactly which watch is mentioned is meant here. And it doesn't matter. The message is clear. The Lord Jesus can come back at any time, even in the middle of the night. With regard to the first coming of the Lord Jesus, there was an announcement, a warning. The Lord God sent John the Baptist ahead of him to warn the people that he would be coming. And that with him would be coming the kingdom of God. John the Baptist went all over to announce that. Christ is coming. However, with regard to the second coming, there will be no such specific warning. He will come suddenly when no one expects it. Unbelievers will not expect it at all, for they do not believe in either the first coming of Christ 
nor in his second coming, therefore. They do not believe in God. We, however, do. Nevertheless, for us, it will still be a surprise. We know he's coming, but not the exact time. In 1 Thessalonians, from which we read, Paul uses the image of a pregnant woman. She knows that a child will be born, but she doesn't know when. Even though she is expecting the child, the exact time will still be a surprise. But in the meantime, the mother keeps busy. A pregnant mother prepares for the baby in every way that she possibly can. She gets her room ready. She gets a bed ready and clothes and diapers. She also prepares herself physically and mentally. She exercises and eats and drinks good food. She wants to be in good shape when the baby is born. A good mother is very diligent in that regard. The birth of a baby does not occur without pain. And so there's also a certain amount of apprehension. You don't know exactly what to expect. And that is why during this time of preparation, the mother also needs encouragement. Encouragement from her own mother, perhaps, and from friends and relatives. Well, again, that is the kind of preparation that the Lord God expects from us as well. We're too expecting. We are expecting the Lord Jesus to come again. And we have to be prepared for him at all times. How do you do that? Well, that means that you need to continue in gaining knowledge. You young people have had a lot of instruction. But you will continue to need instruction. And that is the way it is for all of us. That means that you must be active in church life, diligently attending the worship services, taking time out for yourself for your personal devotions. You need to take time out to pray. And that applies to all of us. And that is how you prepare yourself for the second coming of Christ. And in the meantime, you also need to be encouraged. For there is also a lot of pain and sorrow to be endured as we wait for the second coming of the Lord. We live in a world full of sin. Sin resides in us and all around us. We cannot escape it. And so you will need to be encouraged every step of the way. And that is why we have the communion of saints or the fellowship of believers. We help one another. We help one another to stay prepared for the second coming of Christ. We are here on this earth to serve, to serve God and to serve one another. Do you know what one of the greatest gifts there is? The greatest gift that you can give anyone is the gift of service. And the more you serve others, the more they will also serve you. And it's also a surefire way to stave off depression. The Lord God has created us to serve. He created us to serve him and to serve others. If you deviate from that, you will have a difficult life. People who do not want to serve, but who want to be served themselves, are people who are always concentrating on themselves, on their own needs, 
on how others can serve them. They become navel gazers. They are selfish people who want others to meet their needs. And if that does not happen, then they become angry or surly, and then they do nothing but complain. They become depressed and miserable. One of the big problems in the church of Thessalonica was that the people were sitting around doing nothing. They expected the coming of the Lord Jesus at any time. They thought that the end was near. And so you know what they did? They even quit their jobs. And they stopped working. And that is why Paul says in Thessalonians 5 verse 14, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. He elaborates on that in chapter 4 verse 11 where he says, Make your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Just as we told you. And what are they to do instead of being idle? Well, he says, live in peace with each other. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. In other words, be active. Be active in spiritual things. Be active in service. And that is what God requires from you as well, young people. As now you will be full members of this church. And that's hard work. It's hard work to live in peace with others. It's hard work to live in peace with your parents, with your siblings, with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, with those with whom you come into contact. It's hard work always trying to serve others. And it's also hard work to be joyful always. But that's what God requires from you. That's how you serve him. That's how you keep yourself ready. And if that's how you conduct yourself, then you will also receive a great reward. Because you are working for a reward, and that encourages you. It's not a reward you earn, but it is a reward that God gives to you. Remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon, that there were some wonderful surprises in this text? Well, listen to the kind of reward that you will receive if you serve in this way. In verse 37, the Lord Jesus says that when the master comes home and he finds his servant ready to serve him, that then there will be a role reversal. Then the master, out of the great joy of finding his servant ready, will himself become the servant. He will serve you. Indeed, isn't that also what the Lord Jesus did while he was still on earth? He also said that. He said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus came for service. He came to earth so that he could give his children great riches. And that he did. 
He gave His very life for us so that we could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. A greater servant than the Lord Jesus Christ never lived. And we have to imitate Him. Of course, in the parable, the Lord Jesus is referring to the second coming. And that's another great surprise to us. At the second coming, if the Lord Jesus finds us ready and willing to serve him, then he will promote us to heavenly glory. But not only that, then God himself will serve us. He will serve us with many beautiful gifts. Those gifts are so beautiful that we cannot now even begin to imagine them. In verse 41 we read that Peter asked asked whether or not this applies to the disciples or whether it applies to everybody. Do you know why Peter asks this? He asked this because the parable implied that those who are not ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will not be rewarded. And he was afraid that he would not be among them. But then the Lord Jesus does not give him a direct answer. He further elaborates on the parable and explains it. And he speaks then about two kinds of servants. Those who truly prepare themselves for his coming and those who do not. And he describes the behavior of both groups. And now he leaves it up to Peter to decide for himself how that applies to him. In other words, what the Lord Jesus is saying to Peter, don't worry about others, worry about yourself. Make sure that you are the right kind of servant. And that's what he says to you and me as well. Now, you would think that this would leave Peter insecure. Because how do you know whether or not you have served well enough? How do you know whether or not you are ready enough? When do you have enough knowledge? When is your behavior good enough? When is your behavior acceptable enough to the Lord God? Well, our Lord God is not a very demanding one. He does not expect perfection. He knows that he will not get it. Far from it. As the Catechism says, we only have a small beginning of the obedience that God requires from us. But all that God requires from us is that we try. He knows that we will fail him and each other time and again. Because of sin, we too are such selfish creatures. But then the Bible has some wonderful news for you. It has the wonderful news of the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins for all those who ask to be forgiven. For all those who are sorry for their sins. Isn't that why the Lord Jesus also came? He came to earth so that he could deal with our sins. He came even to fulfill the law for us. He came to do the good works that we are required to do for us. For the good works that we do are not acceptable in God's sight as payment for our salvation. Your good works are only the fruit of your election. 
And so don't worry. As the Lord Jesus Christ himself said while he was still on earth, no one can snatch out of his hands all those who belong to him. That is your comfort. That is your hope. But the Bible also tells us that we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, don't now take your riches for granted. The Lord God puts me and you to work. He puts you to work to show that you do belong to him. You have to show in your life that you love him in the way that you serve him. And in the way that you serve those who belong to him, your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You have to show that you want to be ready for him on that last day that you long for him. And if that is how you conduct your life, then you can also be absolutely sure that you will receive the great reward that belongs to his servants. And you will have a foretaste of that already here on the earth. And you will receive the fullness of it in the life hereafter. Indeed, the Lord God will serve you. And that's what he's doing right now. For he gives you food and drink and clothing. He also gives you spiritual food and drink. And he will do that, brothers and sisters, young people, for as long as you live. But that is a foretaste of the great service that you will receive from his life, from his hands in the life hereafter. And so open your hands wide and receive his wonderful gifts now and forever. Amen.